0: militarily speaking episode seven meet dan bozong
1: this episode we talk with author dan bozong and discuss what drove him to write his most recent book called this civilian stuff maybe using a more colorful word is hard
0: we're going to talk a little bit more about why he titled that book that way right
1: yes and of course tom we're going to play the military minute
0: favorite part right
1: oh well, yeah some days.
0: Welcome to Militarily Speaking, brought to you by Armed Forces Bank. This is Tom McLean, joined by my co-host, the one and only Jody Vickery.
1: <laughs> Thankfully. Hello. Again, welcome to our show. We're excited to have you listening and learning about our special guest today, Dan Bozung, and to share a military minute answer from last episode. So hopefully you have contributed your answer on our social media platforms. I'm going to do just a brief introduction, Dan, and then we'll get we'll get going here. We are honored to have you as our guest today. Dan grew up in southern Indiana and western Michigan. He enlisted in the United States Navy at age 17 and joined a long family tradition of naval service dating back to World War I. Upon graduation from the U.S. Naval Academy in 1997, he became a Navy pilot and flew missions throughout Asia and the Middle East in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. Since leaving active duty in 2005, Dan, you've done a lot of things. (laughs) Dan has worked as an unskilled construction laborer a public sector consultant, a speechwriter, a supply chain performance engineer, I'm not even sure I know what what that uh, is.
0: Come on, come on. That's going. above
1: my pay grade. Corporate <laughs> spokesperson, media advisor, strategic marketing consultant, assistant vice president of mechanical operations for a railroad, VP of industrial filtration sales, another one I'm not sure I know what that is. And as the general manager of a mid-sized manufacturing business. On top of that, as if that's not enough, right? Dan has an MBA from Harvard. And he and his family live right here where we are, Tom, in Kansas City, Missouri. So that's a lot, Dan. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. Good to be with you.
1: By
0: the <laughs> way, Jody, if if you'd read my bio, it would say Tom McLean, banker. Banker.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if we did Tom's bio, it'd be much Just shorter. Just banker. Yeah. Yes, Tom. He's a guy that works here. Yeah, so welcome. And uh, we are really interested in a lot of things today. But I'd like to start with what drove you to write the book. We talked about the title of it. And I really want to hear the backstory on... Where the title came from, the civilian sh- is hard. <laughs> where I almost said it. Where did where did that come from, and what drove you to write the book, Dan?
2: Yeah, so I mean, so briefly on the on the title, right? So my desire working with the publisher was I wanted to capture the entire book in a title. So so how do you do that? And, and I think that title certainly achieves that. But also, I wanted to get people's attention. there, there are lots of books that have been written about the military to civilian transition experience. I wanted this one to stand out because I really wanted to grab my fellow servicemen and women kind of by the lapels and give them a shake and say, Hey, listen, all right, this is whatever you've read, whatever you've heard, this, this is hard stuff. So I wanted the title to reflect that. And so it was actually, it was actually the publisher's idea to go with that particular title. And it was, it was funny because I had a conversation not long after the book came out with the, the book buyer, for the army and air force exchange services uh, about potentially putting the Mm -hmm. book in all army and air force exchanges all around the world Uh, and ultimately we couldn't do it but because of the word choice in the title the thought was that the generals would never approve and go along with it therefore it is not on the shelf in any exchanges so there's the background behind the title so
1: (laughs) It's still a great title, and I think it's absolutely appropriate.
2: Well, well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad it achieved its aim in that regard. So, you know, you ask the question, why did I write the book? And, you know, in my bio, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of things, and there are a couple ways to look at that. One is I've had a lot of diverse experience. The other way to look at it is this this guy can't hold down a job, <laughs> right? So, so what, what's going on there? And I wrote the book because... I, I really, really struggled with the transition experience. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. I wrote the book because I wanted to understand that experience. I really wanted to unpack it and understand what portion of that experience was attributable to unrealistic expectations, just bad luck, but also poor choices. So the question was, what part of that experience do I need to own and understand so I can apply lessons to future positions, future jobs, future experiences, so that I I don't screw them up the way I did a lot of my others. I, I really wanted to learn something of my own experience. So that was one reason. The second reason was, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of fellow veterans through the years. And I think my story is pretty extreme. But what I found consistently is a lot of people struggle with the transition. A lot of people struggle with the experience. So I wanted to put something out there to say, hey, listen, if a guy like me who had every possible advantage a person could have going into that experience, if I could struggle, don't beat yourself up if you struggle too. And then the final reason for writing is I've just always wanted to write a book. It was a bucket list item for me. It was a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. I'm really me glad too. I did yep. it. And uh, it's just something I always want I always want to do. So that's that's why I wrote the book.
1: Gotcha. No, that that's great. And please don't ever write a book, Tom. I heard you say you, you know, wanted I've to got, write one too.
0: <laughs> I've actually got three books in the making. One's oh. about driving etiquette, right? One's about en- English proper grammar. Gram- yes, grammar. One's about a nine-year-old little league baseball player, and the other one's about driving etiquette. Oh,
1: not that you have. issues. Did I say driving
0: etiquette already? <laughs> yeah, that's four. So books. All right, I'm writing this. I'm writing a sequel to the first <laughs> one. <laughs> hey, hey, Dan, you ready? Here comes another question for you. Sure. After <laughs> after being a U.S. Navy pilot then graduating from Harvard Business School, you were on the path to success. Tell our listeners, tell me and Jody, what happened next as you transitioned to a civilian career?
2: Yeah, so, so I think what happened in retrospect was it was entirely predictable, right? And the reason why, and obviously things didn't go well, I think, I think that could have been predicted because first of all, I was never at peace with my decision to leave the military. I was never at peace with that. And then the second thing was I had no clue what I wanted to do in the private sector. So you put those two things together and that that was not recipe for success as I was leaving the military, going into the civilian world. So I I think that explains part of it. And so and the other thing was when I got to Harvard, you know, rather than take advantage of any one of the number of golden opportunities, that were presented to me rather than take advantage of any of those opportunities. I said, you know what, I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out on my own. I am going to, I'm gonna blaze my own trail here. And what was the result of that effort? Well, less than five months after I graduated from Harvard, I got fired from my first job. So that gives you some indication of how smart well, I really am. Yeah.
1: Well, in light of that, for people that have you know, maybe the same kind of background and resources or uh, different resources that you might have had at the time, what advice, like if you had to break it down and boil it down to a few gems, what advice might you give people that are transitioning from a military career into a civilian workforce? What are those big things for you?
2: Sure. I'm always somewhat hesitant to give advice because everybody's situation is is different. As I say, my situation was a little extreme, so I, I put the uniform on when I was 17 years old and I didn't leave active duty until I was in my, my 30s. So I spent very much my formative years in the military and that was a factor. So, I again, everybody's experience is different, but I'll say a couple things. One is I think you have to take your military experience when it's finished, put it in a box, put the lid on it, seal it, turn the page, start the next chapter. Right. You, you, you have to truly turn the page and, and accept that you are now on a, a fundamentally different path. Now, listen, that military experience, it'll always be a part of you. But what what happened to me mm-hmm. was I had this really bad habit of comparing my civilian experience to my military experience. And, and by the way, I had a, a wonderful military experience. Everything seemed to go my way. And I, I would always compare my civilian experience and civilian leaders to military leaders in my military experience, and I was continually disappointed. Now, I've had friends tell me that, hey, listen, you, you might be over idealizing your military experience some, but even if that's the case, I just, I was consistently disappointed. And what I understand now is that it's, that's not useful. It's just, it's not useful. The people, you know, friends I've had who I think have successfully made the transition, put that experience in a box, closed it, locked it threw away the key and moved on. If you continue to kind of linger in the military world and ask yourself, you know, why is the civilian world not giving me the same satisfaction, you're only going to be disappointed. So I think that might be my first point to make. A couple others is, listen, don't don't expect people to understand. Don't expect civilians to understand you and your experience as a transitioning service member. I mean, less than 10% of the population has ever served in the military. And if you haven't done it if you have not experienced, i think it's really difficult to understand with respect to the leadership experience you've had managing through crises and challenging situations all of those things it's really difficult to understand if you haven't experienced right so so give your civilian colleagues a break if they seem like they don't get it because it's a really unique experience that i think you have to have for your own and the last thing i'll say is is listen this, This is hard stuff. This transition stuff is hard. No matter how long you spent in the military, go easy on yourself. Be forgiving of yourself, particularly if you have a false start or three like I did. You know, we're we're programmed in the military. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Well, if you're in a bad situation, if you're in a, a poor fit role, it's okay to transition to something else that might be a better fit. Don't beat yourself up for that. You're going to, you may have a couple of false starts and that's okay. So to the extent that I feel comfortable offering advice, I, I think I would point to those things.
1: That's really interesting. My husband actually literally did what you described with your first one. His uniforms came home. He retired out of Fort Knox, Kentucky. They are in a box in our basement. There is a lid on it and they haven't come out since. So I don't know if that was mentally part of what he was going through as you described that, but we've got such a box.
2: Yeah.
0: And Dan, you make, you you made a good point earlier about talking about your prior careers we see that a lot in our civilian workforce too where we we hire bankers I came from maybe wells fargo or bank of america or penn federal you name it or or community bank and there never, never a day passes when we don't hear well this is what we did at my previous bank or this is how i would do it here because we did a great thing at our previous bank Well. We don't really want to hear that stuff. Just put it away, put it in a box. This is how we do things here. This is our culture. This is our product set. This is how we do business. This is our marketing strategy. You, you name it. Just set it aside and focus on something that you're doing today. And yeah, apply some of the knowledge and skills and experience, but don't bring don't bring out the baggage. Just be proud of where you work now and keep moving forward.
2: I think that's spot on, Tom. I get exactly right
0: Dan, that was my pontification for the for today's podcast. <laughs> he does
1: that from time to time.
0: Uh,
2: no, I, I think it's spot on. And
1: now he's supporting you in your pontification. <laughs> well,
0: good. Let's take a moment of silence for that, shall we, Jody? Somebody appreciates me. So both Jody and I read your book. We told you that, and we'll give you a receipt for that so you can send him. Them- no, I'm kidding. So we read your book. There were a lot of great takeaways for us, and I I especially like. I told Jody this this morning. I told her I said so I love the way you recap your chapters, if you will, by lessons learned, because the if you missed the point, which you should because it was well-written, but at the end of it, it's like, well, th- those takeaways actually apply to my life, my career, where I am currently in my situation. And the lessons learned summary was was pretty compelling for me. So tell our listeners what kept you motivated to keep moving forward when you face challenges along the way. And I think, you know, those challenges are whether you got fired from a job like you referenced earlier, whether it's taking on a new job and trying to integrate into a new culture. Whatever happens along that way, what, what are some of those best practices that you can tell our listeners?
2: Uh, well, Tom, I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. I had no choice but to move on. I, I had a family. I have a mortgage. I was up to my eyeballs in student loan debt from Harvard. So I had no choice but to move on. So that was certainly part of it. The other thing was I made a significant investment in my private sector career when I went to Harvard. And I am absolutely determined to realize a return on that investment. So that motivates me to to move forward. But I I think the the more compelling piece, and, and forgive me if this sounds a little bit cynical, but I refuse to be defeated by the likes of Lauren and Gerard and King John, some of the people I write about in the book, I refuse to be defeated by the civilian world. I absolutely, I I don't, I refuse. Okay, I I believe in myself. I believe in my capabilities. I refuse to be defeated by this stuff. And it's like like that scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off where he sneaks into that restaurant and he pretends (laughs) to be Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago.
1: That's you know, And Cameron's sitting there going, Ferris, come on, let's get yes. out of
2: here. We do this. And what, and what does he say? He said, hey, if I'm going to get pinched, it ain't going to be by that guy. <laughs> and that's how I felt about every bad boss I've ever had. Like, no, you are not good enough to get the best of me. I refuse to be defeated by you. So a lot of it's just plain stubbornness on my part. And again, that might be a bit cynical, but it's the truth. I refuse to be defeated.
0: Thank you for that answer. And thank you for your honesty and candid comments. And it sounds to me like you're a movie guy because you got you got the Top Gun reference on your book. You referenced Caddyshack, right? We're with Rodney yes. Dangerfield. That's right. Now you're referencing Ferris Bueller. You got you got anything else you want to share with us about your favorite movie?
2: Well, we, we can just go down the, the whole the whole list of eighties greatest hits, I guess. It feels like I'm stuck in that decade. From but.
0: Breakfast Club, right? Oh, that yeah. was a good one. Yeah. I, I watched that oh, a lot. Sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uncle Buck. Yeah, absolutely. I eighties yeah. movie references. I could I could go all day. So
1: Oh my gosh. How <laughs> What is it? Is your we, doppelganger? We can, is that the right one? <laughs> we could
2: create
0: a game show or something, right? <laughs> no, we can do no, a podcast can't. about it. No, all we right.
1: can't. You have a day job, Tom. <laughs>
0: all right, let's keep going with Dan. We're, we're gonna shift Time gears. Time is precious. Yes,
1: we're gonna shift gears. I want to get to the storytelling side of what what you do with the book so you know as as listeners can go to your website which is www.danbozung.com they'll see a section on stories can you talk a little bit about the storytelling side why that was important to you plans to bring back those stories or even expand on them in another book
2: yeah for sure for sure so the the purpose of those stories so this was something the publisher had me do so i actually i released those stories once a week in the four or five months leaving leading up to publication of the book so they were intended to be a bit of a teaser leading to publication but but what i and when i asked you know i said you know what, what should i write about what should these stories be and he said i don't care whatever you want them to be i mean what'd you do this morning i'm like well i took the trash out there's a story i'm like all right what did he say so <laughs> i i would write these stories and Again, it was for a specific purpose, and that was to support publication of a book, part of the marketing effort. But what I found was I really enjoy maintaining a writing habit. So I would would force myself early in the morning as part of just my daily routine. I, I had a certain word quota. I had certain topics that I wanted to address. And just having that daily writing habit was something I really, really came to enjoy. So, again... They were intended to serve a specific purpose, but just exercising those muscles, those writing muscles, were something I found very useful and very enjoyable. So yeah, you ask about other books. I I absolutely intend to write other books. In fact, I I have a, a manuscript sitting on the shelf at the moment that I've gotten some initial feedback from the publisher. I hope to get that out sometime in the next year, so more to follow on that. But I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the publication process. So my expectation was that some editor would get a hold of of my baby and, and ruin it. And I thought I would be very frustrated in the process. And what I found was quite the opposite. And ultimately, as I was working with the publisher and the editor and all the creative folks on cover designs and things like that, what I found was the finished work, in my opinion, it is far superior to anything I could have done on my own. So I really enjoyed working with these folks, going through the publication process, And it is absolutely something I intend to do again.
1: Excellent. Well, we'll have you back for book number two.
2: Very good. I look forward to it.
1: Yeah.
0: There is, uh, we have a couple more for you, Dan. There is a comment in your book that states, being in the military is easy. Being a civilian is hard. How can those in the military make it a little less hard when they close out their careers after serving our country?
2: And it's it's a great question. And I think there's a bit of a range of answers. So, so for example, if, if, for example, in the military you were an IT professional or somebody who is involved in cyber warfare and you, you really enjoy that, I think your transition to the private sector is likely to be less painful and more successful because you can step right, you can likely step right into a role right into an industry or function that very much aligns with your interests and your military experience. On the other end of the spectrum are guys like me who have no, don't have the first clue what they want to do in the private sector. And, and for those people, I would say, I got some great advice from a Harvard professor that I've never managed to follow. And that is (laughs) you need to think in terms of industry, function, and geography. So if you have a particular industry, that's really interesting to you. If you're into cars, you know, the automotive industry, right? Well, if you can't figure out the other two, the function and the geography, well, You know, just find something, find a role in the industry, so that you feed that interest, and then you'll figure out the other two, right? Function. Let's say I don't know, you're a finance professional in the Air Force or or something like that, and you're just really interested in finance, income statements, balance sheets, all that stuff. Well, you know, then that's your function. Go find a role in that function. And then you might be able to be agnostic to industry or geography because you're you're in a good fit function. And then finally, you know, geography. If you can't figure out the other two, but you are absolutely certain that you want to live in North County, San Diego, the way I was when I graduated from Harvard. If you can't figure out the other two, well, go find something to do in that area. Ideally, you line up all three. You get a job in an industry that's interesting to you in a function that aligns with your your talents and your interests. And you're able to live in a place where where you want to live. If you can align all three, great. If you can only get two out of the three, okay, or at least get one out of the three, I pretty consistently demonstrated an ability not to get any of those right. So
1: <laughs>
2: I would say I think that's a I think that's a constructive approach thinking about the transition if you if you don't know where to start.
1: That
0: makes I, a lot of sense. I, uh, should I do a joke here or not? We're okay. good. No. I think I think you just stumbled on a new title for your next book too, right? It's cause you talk about industry function and geography. So call it transitioning to civilian life. It's a fig deal. <laughs> is that a good one or not?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm taking that one, Tom. That that one's mine now. You can have it. For twenty bucks, nobody else, nobody else
1: wants it. <laughs> for twenty bucks, Dan will unplug a, his microphone. <laughs> it is,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: it's a fig deal.
1: I like oh it. My. you
0: could do something I'll you could do it. co branding right. with Fig Newton's. Yeah. All right. All right, take it. Wow. All
1: right, Jody, you're up. You yeah. never cease to amaze. Yeah, I, I think we maybe just have one more big question here for you, Dan. At the end of your book, the readers get kind of a brief glimpse into how they can navigate life after the military. We've talked quite a bit about that today, you know, but they're left with the fact that they're not alone, that they shouldn't settle. You don't have to seek out perfection, but don't settle. First, be a good boss. Is there anything outside of those kind of three tenets that you would? want our listeners to know things you've learned that we haven't already covered today?
2: Sure. I'll offer a couple things. One is, you know, I mentioned at the outset that I I was not at peace with my decision to leave the military and lots of reasons why, but I wasn't at peace. I finally made peace with that decision. and, And the way I did was I came to realize that the kind of servant leadership you're taught and that is expected in the military, the servant leadership, there's a great need for that in the private sector. And you can do a lot of good and have a lot of positive impact in people's lives by being that servant leader. And again, I find, I find need for that in the civilian world. So I, I, I take that, the, the purpose that that gives me and provides me is very meaningful. So the second thing I'll say is, I think there this struggle, the, the struggle to transition from kind of the military identity to the civilian identity, again, it's a spectrum. People are on different places in that spectrum, I was on the extreme end. I, I think there's honor and purpose in that struggle. At least I find honor and purpose in that struggle. Trying to define oneself and find that best fit role where you can make, maximum positive contribution, there's honor in that struggle. And that has brought me kind of comfort and purpose because being in that good fit role, what I found is I came across an interesting saying recently that resonated. And that is, you don't have to be successful to be happy, but you absolutely have to be happy to be successful. Like, And when I was in poor fit roles and I was just a bitter guy as a result, people thought I was a jerk. And I couldn't find success if I wanted to. Conversely, the couple times, mostly when I was in the military, when I was in a great fit role, when I was energized by my work, when I was challenged, when I found purpose, when I was in that good fit role, people experienced me completely differently in a very positive way. And I didn't have to go looking for opportunity. Opportunity came to find me. So there's purpose, there's value in the struggle. That's why I say don't settle, but don't seek perfection. Nothing is ever perfect. No role is ever perfect, but keep it the struggle. Because again, people experience you completely differently depending on how you experience yourself when you're in a particular role. So I I would offer that.
0: Well said, well done. As we close this out too, are there any other resources or maybe books that you've read or other tools? You know, you look at, what Color Is Your Parachute, which is a popular book that comes out every year to find out who you are and and, and maybe what career you wanna go. But are there other resources that you're using or that you've used during your career in the civilian world that have been helpful for you? Besides maybe talking to other people.
2: Yeah, you mentioned What Color Is Your Parachute? I think that's a I think that's a useful book. I've certainly read that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking over my bookshelf right now and there's like, from floor to ceiling, I have books that I've read trying to figure this all out. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I, I don't know that I can point to any one in particular. I will say I will say this two things. One, never stop believing in your stuff. Right. Just what they tell you have good stuff. Never stop believing in your stuff. In my darkest moments, when I was most discouraged, I stopped believing in my stuff. Never, ever don't allow yourself to do that. You have good stuff. And the second thing I'll say is always, always, always surround yourself with good people and i'm not just talking about people of character and high integrity to me that's table stakes i'm also talking about people of good humor who will teach you and challenge you and push you forward in my experience if if you get that right if you can surround yourself with good people the rest seems to take care of itself and i think i i think i would leave you with that
0: again well said yeah Thank you. Great, great advice for our listeners. They're going to appreciate that.
1: And he said, good humor, Tom, not just Just, humor.
0: Because that's an oxymoron Because there's also bad humor. (laughs) Jody?
1: Thank you so much, Dan, for being here, for tolerating Tom today. We're grateful. I think you've shared a lot of wonderful information that everybody in our audience will benefit from. I know as my husband transitioned into the civilian world after 20 years in the Army, he had Maybe not as extreme, but similar circumstances and situations as as you adjust, you know. So what you said today really resonates with me. And if you'll stick with us for just a minute, we have a little thing we like to do called the Military Minute. Yeah.
0: It's a so the question is. So it might
1: be more fun to us, I think, than anybody else. And but. I want
0: you to ask this question. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good.
1: Yes, but first, last week's Military Minute because we focused on PCS moves and uh, the VA loan process. The question was, how many military families PCS annually? So hopefully you have submitted your answers on our social media sites because there will be a winner. But the right answer is between 420000 and 500000 Big numbers. Big yeah. numbers. A lot of people moving around, a lot of families' situations upended on the regular basis. So look for somebody to be notified as the winner. And now to transition to this week's Military Minute, relative to Dan, a fun fact that we picked up in your book, <laughs> hopefully you don't mind, what is so special about Dan Bozong's hair is what we'd like to know from our, don't answer Dan. <laughs> 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 so if you know the answer, you're going to have to do a little digging, going to have to check out his website at wwwdambozung.com yeah. you can get a copy of the book. Find the answer to that, post it on our social media, and you know there's there's something in it for you. Don't forget that the winner gets a chance at $50 for them and a $50 donation to a charity of their choice. So I'm looking forward to the answers on this one. Hopefully, some of your military friends will, will, will weigh in and, and share that as well. But thanks again, Dan, for spending time with us today. Be sure to learn more about Dan, his book, The Civilian is Hard. Sure. <laughs> I'm getting closer to saying it. Go to his website at www.dambozung.com to learn more and order a book of your own.
0: And one more piece of business, right? Yes. If you enjoyed today's episode, yes. go out to afbank.com and subscribe to the show. Also make sure to rate us, leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform. And this one is truly up there on top of the list for me, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Yeah, thank you again, Dan. I appreciate all the great advice you've given to our listeners. And we wish you all the all the best in your continued progress of writing a new book and, and wherever your journey takes you. And again, you're close enough in Kansas City. We thank Brent Bowen from Sparkade Marketing for getting us an introduction with you. We appreciate him and his company for all that he does for us. And thank you again. Thank you so much.
2: It, it's been a terrific pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I wish your, your listeners all the best. Thank
0: you. Thank you.